0: You know, I've been thinking a lot about some of the messages uh, that have gone forth. Uh, Brian's message on uh, fear not, that is excellent. Um, but what Dan wrote in the blog, too, about uh, suffering the loss of all things, that's, that's very important for you to understand the true meaning of that, suffering the loss of all things. Um, Paul talked about, Uh, how he was a Pharisee of a Pharisee and, um, you know, how he kept the law perfect. Remember, he makes his testimony about the things he had come through, uh, how he came against what he thought was the enemy of God, which was really the true church. He shows you how we can be deceived into thinking what is true is false. And so he came against the church and he was noted for it. That's Saul was a known to be a bad man. (laughs) <laughs> it's as simple as that people feared him uh he knew that too so after he kind of got everybody in jerusalem he said well i'm not going to stop here let you know, let me receive letters from the chief priests and and the governors and all that stuff let me go to damascus and get them all there too you know but even this persecution against the church was an ordained thing of god god wanted to kind of root all of them out of jerusalem and get them out so they could start you know Uh, proselytizing that word to the rest of the world Saul was a big instrument in that but God had other plans for Saul too Um, the thing that's about Saul that you understand he was very um, zealous about what he was going to do I mean he he just said I'm going to do it remember when Stephen was being stoned hey let me hold the coats so you can stone him better you know what i mean i mean he was very zealous of what he believed with the jews religion is how we put it and he said his fathers had been in that his family had been in that um, the whole deal so it's important to him to try to stop these usurpers these people that are coming along saying that they believe in christ and i'm going to do whatever i can to stomp that out he put it up made it a personal mission and and so well done that like i said he cleared out jerusalem You know, had a lot of fear put into people. And uh, it says he would hail people. That's just another way of saying he would make sure that he could research them out and grab them, put them in prison. Uh, Some of them were killed for that, you know. And he said he wreaked havoc on the church. That's his own testimony. He wreaked havoc on the church. So he's on his way to Damascus. Didn't know there was a divine appointment there. He thought he was going to go and just get a bunch more. And that divine appointment, he met Jesus uh, along the way. Now, here's the thing that I I like about Saul. He typified, if you would stop and think about it, anyone ever typifying the man of sin? I mean, in in a body, so to speak. Paul was that. I mean, he very strong-minded, kind of mean, you know, the things that he did. Uh, He didn't didn't bother his conscience any of the things that he did. He felt he was doing the right thing at the time and uh, man zealous of the law of moses he he wanted to do that he made sure that he kept the law so when he had that divine appointment he met jesus along the way we know the story you know he, he fell to the ground and so forth that, that light that's shining you know brighter than the noonday sun and he knew it had to be god he said well, what else could do that you know so who art thou lord And Jesus uh, told him, he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the prick, huh? Now you're going to be pricked. Oh, my goodness. I think things have already been set up in Paul from what Stephen said. Stephen did his thing, man. When he preached that message and took it all the way back from the history of Israel and brought it up to the present day, Paul had to be thinking of that because he's a master of that, of Moses' law and the history and so forth. He had to think a little bit about that. So he was already being set up thoughts in his mind He probably pushed him out because he didn't want him but he was already being set up but by the time jesus met him on the way to damascus and that happened to him you know he was blinded and uh, he knew it had to be the lord and then jesus literally spoke to him i am jesus whom thou persecutest what was his answer after that what would you have me to do that's a divine appointment He, he he want he was zealous of what he was doing with the law and everything. But he did always want to serve God. So he said, Lord, you know, after he realize it was Jesus. Now, what do you want me to do? And he was ready. He was ready to do something. So that it shows you that God can take someone. That's almost the epitome of the man of sin, change him and cause him to be what? The greatest apostle of them all. God's showing you his power. You were talking about power this morning. Power comes through the wisdom of God. Wisdom and understanding that the Lord is your strength through that. That's where the power comes from, the wisdom and understanding of God. And it leads you to the, <clears throat> to the Spirit. So here's the thing that's important about this. I, I started thinking about some things that, that happened with Paul. And um, uh, <clears throat> I want somebody to read for me a little bit, if they can get the mic. Go to Second um, Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11. Let me see here. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting about verse 22. Just start reading, whoever has it. that hmm
1: Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I.
0: So what's he establishing? He's, he's a Jew. He's one of them true Jews, isn't he? He said, I'm all part. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, by the way. So he knew where he had come from. Keep going.
1: Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent, in deaths of oft. Of the Jews, five times received. I, forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I I have been in the deep. In journeys often in pearls of water, in pearls of robbers, in pearls by mine own countrymen, in pearls by the heathen, in pearls in the city, in pearls in the wilderness, in pearls in the sea, in pearls among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, not that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aritas, the king kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window and a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Wow,
0: what a testimony. Look at all the perils he was in. Look at all the things that happened to him. I'm going to talk to you today about uh, something that happened to him in a particular place. It's, um, man, it's, it's just listening to that testimony. So he did all those things by the grace of God. You would think him being an apostle to the Gentiles, God to make it easy for him, make an easy way for him. No, Paul learned by all of these things that he went through. You know, even, even at times being cold and suffering hunger and whatever, he just went through the whole thing. And it was marvelous how he went through all of it and can give his testimony and and believe that God was with him the whole time. Now, some of us, when we go through some of those things that he's listed, guess what we do? We think God's away from us. We're alone. That's what we think. He's making this list to show you that even though he went through those things, he was never far from God. God was never far from him. He, He had God with him in the midst of these things. How do you think Paul became so strong in Christ? By the things which he suffered. How did Jesus become so so strong in the things that the Father sent him to do? By the things which he suffered. You, you understand? It says that. By the things which he... He said the captain of our salvation was made obedient. Even unto death through the sufferings, he was made obedient of that. He learned to overcome. As you overcome, this is the point I'm making. As you overcome, you actually become stronger. These things that come against you Are things to make you strong Uh, we don't look at them that way we get fear we run remember the song the guy was singing he said sometimes i run from my place in the sun he said and people ask him so why did you do that you know it might sound crazy why why did you do that why would you run away from where you're getting your sustenance and your warmth and whatever but he's saying this is how humans react this is how people think you know and he says, Sunday's joy is Monday's pain. You all hopped up because you went to church Sunday. Come Monday, and the reality of life of what you have to deal with, it becomes pain. All of a sudden, you're feeling that. And you don't remember very much about what happened Sunday when you heard the message. It's a very good song if you listen to what he's, the point he's trying to get across. So it's the same thing with Paul getting this point across here. There was something Paul did. Um, when he was brought up before King Agrippa and all these other people, remember when all that happened, he gave his testimony. And uh, they said, "They find and Festus, and they said, okay, what we need to do, this man, you know, he, he's raised such Cain in every city he goes to that we, we have to make a decision here about whether he's, you know, right, wrong, whatever. And actually Agrippa and all that, Agrippa told him, said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. That's what he told him. He said, you almost persuaded me because Paul stood and gave his testimony. And guess what he did again? He gave his testimony how he met the Lord, but he also gave a testimony how he knew the Jewish faith, the history of it all the way up to the present time and tell him that this same Jesus that you crucified was what they prophesied back in that day. You know, so he brings it all the way back up. Very powerful how Paul represents himself. He's no longer Saul. He's Paul, right? So he's moving through, doing his thing. Uh, and this is what I wanted to, you to get. I wanted you to read that list of all the things that he went through for a reason. Because like I said, when we go through stuff like that, immediately we're in a place where our brains starts shutting down a little bit and we start saying, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. Fear enters in. Sometimes the pride enters in. I'm not going to let it bother me. Yet it's something that you need to pay attention to. You know, see, it's all kinds of things. We start gearing up what the flesh wants to do we start gearing it up that's what we do we gear up okay flesh how are we going to handle this how what, what am i going to do what's the way i'm going to manifest getting out of this thing you see what i mean because those things coming upon us are things that are literally if you stop and think about them they're out of your control there are things that are happening <clears throat> we like to think we can control everything but sometimes we even have problems in relationships, don't we? Can you control the other person? Or, or what's the best thing? The best thing you can do is communicate and try to get, find out what each person's heart is like, right? And, the, and, and try to figure out that way whether it's something that you can bring to a place of peace between the both of you. Whether it's father and son, husband and wife. It doesn't make any difference. Where, uh, two siblings, brother and brother, you know, sister and sister, whatever it is. There has to be a place of coming to an understanding, right? for those things to happen so but what happens is nine times out of ten we forsake the thought of jesus in the midst of that we're so busy trying to get our point across or trying to justify ourselves or trying to get some type of answer that'll relieve us of what that problem is at the time now remember look at the list that paul had look at the things that happened to him even his own people beat him what five times saved you know got whipped with stripes uh, 40 save one that means he got 39 stripes each time okay um that's five times from his own people then it turned right around and he said i got beaten with rods three times see the, the whip is one thing the rod is something else and they beat him with rods uh the one time uh he when he talks about at the very end he's let down by the basket uh and uh he gets saved because the the governor of that place wanted to get him and kill him period now, here's something that you go back and read that thing. You'll find out that Paul's sister's son visited him in prison and warned him about what he had heard that they were going to do that to him. These men had taken a vow that they were going to kill him, you know, and uh, so and when he told the guard about it, whatever, uh, they you know a miraculous thing happened. He was he was released and he was let down over the wall so that they couldn't kill him. So what they had planned to do, they couldn't bring forth. He had so much going on in his life. What would we put yourself in that place? What would we have done? You know what I mean? You got people saying they're going to do this. Um, you know, we're going to come get you. We're going to do this. We take those threats like in this physical realm very seriously, don't we? Somebody's going to come and wreck your house, tear up something, do something to your children, whatever it may be. And we take that very seriously. And then here we go again. The fear starts to come in or how we're going to settle this by the flesh or how we're going to do all of these things, even if we have to do it ourselves. I'll go get me a gun. I'll do whatever I have to do. uh, Whatever it is, you say, okay, I'm going to protect myself. You've already forgotten everything Jesus said. You're in the midst of this trial. You're in the midst of a storm. This is what we all go through. Disagreements about certain things. One person is holding on to their part. The other person's holding on to their part. And there's an impasse. Nothing gets done. Isn't that true? There's a lot of arguing, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of offense. All of these things are going on almost all at once. Does that make sense? And there's a lot of things. We're in turmoil. The mind goes into confusion, does it? So this is the type of thing when we're faced with things that are going to cause us to have to enter into something that is going to be what we feel detrimental to us. Here's the thing. We usually look outward to try to get those things done. That's what we usually do. We say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a preparation for this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We do something outward. But what God wants you to do, guys, is to look inward when those things start to happen to you. That, look at that list again. Go home and read it today. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Just start reading and see that list and see how many times things like that happen to you. Now, you realize some of those things in that list are things that are happening in the spiritual realm. You may take it as being here. But there's a lot of things that are happening in the spiritual realm when you read that list. Your mind is happening in a place where spirits are working. Spirits are causing a lot of these things to happen. What Paul had come to the place was, remember he says at the very end, toward the end when you read, he said that it's about my infirmities again. I'm weak in this. There's no way I'm going to be able to overcome all these things. He tells you once again, it's by those infirmities that I have. And then he goes back and relates it back to the grace again, doesn't it? That God delivered him out of them all that's what God did. it was sometimes it was something he could not do anything about and God would deliver him. I'm going to talk to you about one of those now this is to me this affects me every time I read this, every time I think on it. now Paul had he, he'd done all these things and and the roman government's kind of getting tired of him because every city he goes to there's somebody trying to tear him apart or something, and then the centurions have to come and rescue him and then they throw him in jail and then things happen i mean this happens several times you read the book of acts you'll find that but what happened that last time when he came before the king he, uh, the king said man I, this guy i don't find any fault to him he's just like jesus almost don't find any fault to him i, I we could have let him go but he the only thing was he paul had requested something And it kept him in that captivity for what he requested. I want audience with Caesar. Paul is the one that requested that I want audience with Caesar. So they even make a say, well, we could have let this man go, but he appealed to Caesar. So now we got to send him to Rome. But he knew that that's what Paul wanted. He actually knew that and that's what he wanted. Remember when he was going to take off from one of the places. Agabus, a, a prophet came to him, put a girdle around him. You remember that story? And tied the girdle on him, and it, it trapped him, almost like, uh, what, are, what are those jackets they put on people? They the Straight jacket. it's almost like that. Put it on, and, and Agabus prophesied, and his prophecy was true. He said, the man that's bound like this jacket right here is going to be bound that way in Rome. He, he prophesied that Paul was going to be bound once he got to Rome. That was true. But, uh, but Paul said, I'm still determined to go. Now, remember, this is a prophet of God saying this. To Paul, but Paul already knew there was a divine appointment in Rome also that he had to come to And God even told him in one place by the spirit You you know the things that are happening to you now all these things that list that we read and all of that And what i'm going to talk about today It says Feel good because god says you do have to make that appointment in rome I want you to make it to rome Because if you go back and read some of the things that paul did he won some of caesar's household Paul did very powerful he actually won some of Caesar's household so he had a divine appointment in Rome he wanted to visit the church there remember he says in the beginning of Romans "He said I want to impart to you a gift when I get there there's something I want to do I want to preach I want to teach I want to fellowship with you remember in the very first chapter of Romans says "I, I want to make it there and so he talks about he was under house arrest for two years there you know all kinds of things happened. they let him receive visitors So it it was a neat thing what Paul did. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. How many of us would know that our end is coming in the place that we're going to? You're going to witness, but that's going to be the end of you. You know what they did to Paul by the end of that time? When they judged him, they cut his head off. They beheaded him. So he knew he was heading for that appointment. Powerful, powerful. But he knew he was going to go out of here with power. Remember he said he saw his crown? Oh, man, God let him see that for all the things he suffered, all the things he did because he never let go of Jesus. He always held on to his integrity in that. Always held on to the things of Jesus. he held on to that grace. He knew God's grace is what was going to pull him through. It, it was an amazing thing. So he make that audience. Agabus prophesies he's going to be bound. He's never going to be unbound. He's going to be bound. And that's where he's going to die. Well, what Agabus said was true. But Paul said this to them that were all gathered, all the brethren there. He says, why, why do you make my heart to break and make me want to cry? You know, he says, I know you love me and I love you too, but I have an appointment. I'm paraphrasing. I have to go to Rome. He said, but you, you make me feel like my heart is broken because I love you so much. Because all of you, are, they're trying to help him not to go. Can we hold him here some kind of way? No, nope. That was his appointment and he knew it. And he knew he had to go because there were things God had him do while he was in Rome. So I said all of that because it sets the story. There's a lot of things that interfered with Paul going to Rome. And I'm not going to go through this just too much. You got to read the 27th chapter of Acts. It is a powerful chapter of what God does for him and everything that he does. But um, he, he takes a companion with him. as they're going, he said he's delivered to a Roman guard, a centurion, and the centurion's name is Julius. And and he kind of falls in love with Paul. He likes Paul, but Paul is his prisoner and he's taking him to Rome. Okay, and Paul gets to take a companion with him. I think his name is Aristarchus or something like that. You don't read very much about him, but but he's always a companion of Paul. So he's traveling with Paul. How many of you read that story and thought Paul was by himself? He wasn't. He had another disciple with him, another person with him, Aristarchus. And they're going through this journey together. They get on the ship, and there's a lot of different things that happen before they get to where they they take off. They're supposed to be taken off during the time that there's fair weather. But then Paul warns them. He warns the captain, the centurion, everybody. He says, you're doing a wrong thing here. You know the seasons are going to change, and it's just after the fast. Now, the fast that Paul was talking about was the Day of Atonement which is sometime like in October or whatever. So the winds and the sea start acting up bad around that time whenever they have that fast. So you'll hear him say, yeah, it was after the fast. People say, what is he talking about the fast? It, it's the that's what he's talking about the Day of Atonement. OK, we call it Yom Kippur here. Remember, they had the Yom Yom Kippur War and Israel defeated the Palestinians back in the middle 60s. We call it Yom Kippur, but it's, it's the Day of Atonement. And so He's saying, okay, the ship is going to take off, but this is bad time to do it. This is when you get all your storms. This is when you get all your mess. The seas get rough. He warned the captain. He says, I I think it's going to wind up being bad for us doing this. They disregarded him. The owner of the ship said, no, go. Let's go. So they took off and they went. And a lot of different things happened, but there's something that happens really bad there. They get stuck. If they live, leave the fair havens, the place where the weather's good, where you can sail, then they enter into this thing. It's the season for it where there's a specific storm that comes around that time. Anybody remember the name of it? Uroclodon is a specific season for storm. And Uroclodon is starting to happen right now. And they sail right into it. And I said, oh, my God. That's, that's what Paul's telling me. We're going to have, there's harm that's going to come here. And they sail right into Uroclodon. And so as they're going through, it's tossing the ship, whatever the men are scared, at the whole deal. And then pretty soon they take it in their mind and say, you know what? We're just going to take the little side ship off, get in that and try to get away because this ship is going to break up. It's going to go down. It's going it's to be something that will sink. And uh, Paul goes to the captain and tells him, he said, look, I want you to listen to me very distinctly now. I'm paraphrasing. Listen to me. The angel of the Lord appeared to me this night and told me that the ship is going to suffer many things, but you have to stay in the ship in order to survive. If you go outside of it, you will die. He tells the guy that. Now, remember, Julius likes him. And so he was getting ready to let the guys let the ship down on the side. He st- stopped, he cut the, the ropes and he said, Nope, we're going to do what Paul says. Now, that's something a Roman centurion saying, We're going to do what Paul says. We're going to do what he says. He had some type of confidence in him, you know. And so Paul said, okay, that's good. So the storm's tearing them up. Now, guys, this storm lasts a total. They're on this ship and in this situation a total of two weeks being tossed to and fro. They're throwing stuff overboard to make the ship lighter. All this kind of stuff. Nothing's working. Another place he stopped, they dropped four anchors. It messes it up. The ship still gets, is getting broken up on the back half of it. And so Paul's telling them, and now they're, they're thinking again, okay, we're going to jump every man for himself. We're going to jump. Paul tells them, don't do that. Unless you abide in the ship, you will not be saved. Now, what do we know a ship is? It's the message of God. You abide in that message. What I'm trying to tell you here, that's what we do. We want to jump ship because the thing that we're facing is so hard. Isn't that true? We want to take care of it ourselves. We start thinking outward and start thinking inward. But Paul warns the guy again. He said, no. And so he said, and he says, he tells them this. This is, <laughs> I know they got mad at him. He said, all of y'all, be of good cheer. Fear not. Be of good cheer. They're looking at him. He said, yeah, be of good cheer. And he tells the guy, he said, what, what do you got left to eat? He said, we got some wheat down in here. He said, let's make some cakes and eat some meat. Let's take meat. And he told all the men, and it was like 276 people on that boat. It tells you the number that's on there. He said, let's take meat. Let's use the last of the wheat. Let's make some cakes. Let's eat. Be strengthened. And they do. They listen to him. They make the cakes. They all eat. And then what's left of the wheat, they throw it overboard because they're trying to lighten the ship again. It's just amazing all the things they go through. You got to read every little thing about it. It's powerful, the whole lead up. But they throw the weed overboard. And so he says, don't worry about it. Be of good cheer. Fear not. Paul telling them this. He's the prisoner. <laughs> and he stands up on the ship. He's the prisoner. He's not the centaur. He said, hey, brethren, let's, let's be cool here. Fear not. Everything's fine. The storm is tearing them up back and forth. They've tried everything. And finally, one of the guys spots a little creek coming off of some land. He said, if we can stick the front of the ship into where that creek is coming out, maybe we can get off and then actually hit ground and get away from the ship, you know. But the ship, when they turn it in there, it grounds before they can get it, you know, from stuff underneath. And the back part of the ship, the, it gets torn up. Everything, the whole thing just disintegrates. And, and each one of them, the, the ones that could, they grabbed a piece of the wood of the ship that's broken up. And paddled the land. And that, and then the others that could swim, they all made it, all took 276. All made it, made it to land. And, and can you imagine what Paul was in? Now, remember what he said An angel of the Lord stood by me this night. He gave me the instructions on what to do. And he also told me this No life will be lost, everybody will make it. And that's what Paul had told them. And they say, This idiot does he know what's going on? Two weeks in this thing now. And they, they're scared. And all this time, there's no power they have against this storm. That's how we feel sometimes. Uh-huh, Isn't it? But did you forget your angel is there? Did you forget? Your angel never leaves you. You know why? Because it's the angel of the Lord. It is the Lord. It's the angel of the Lord. He never leaves you. When we get into these things, we want to run. just like he said in the song, run from your place in the sun. You want to run. We want to get away from it. We have fear. We we think we can handle it. We think this is going to work. That's going to work. We try everything outward we can do. And it all fails. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Everything you tried did not work out here. Everything you tried. So why not go to where your angel is in the first place? Let's start talking to Jesus because it's inward work. Where's the fear going to be? Is the fear out there or is it in here? You see how it works? The pride, is it out there or is it in here? Well, I can do it myself. You know, that's what we say sometimes. How many of you you ran into a situation where you thought, I can handle this, and then found out it was handling you? Has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me. I thought I was going to take care of something, and that thing took care of me. It made me feel like, oh, my God, I'm helpless here. I can't do anything. That's why we have Jesus. That's why we have the angel. That's why you can go through a whole list of things like Paul said and still have confidence in Jesus. Because you know the grace of God inwardly is going to pull you out of that mess every single time. Even if it's something out here. I, I, one time I told my wife, I said, Ma, we may lose everything. It was when we were going to start a business or something. I said, and, and whether it worked, if it wasn't going to work. We're going to lose everything and so I said are you with she didn't have to I didn't have to really ask her I said you you realize that she said I'm with you daddy. Let's do it. Let's let's try it if we lose everything We've been like this before We we couldn't rub two nickels together for several years and when we first got married But she said we can go back there. We've learned how to live that way so we can go back and live that way again If you lose everything We did that gave me great confidence to continue on in the thing Because I knew she was behind me, you know, the whole deal. I was worried more about her, the loss of everything. What did Dan say? The loss of all things. You know what he was talking about? All the things your flesh has prepared in you. How you thought about yourself, what strengths you thought you had, and whatever. And really, it's nothing against that thing that's going on in you. You're actually weak compared to that. But when we're weak, we're made by what by the grace of god and belief and faith in that grace that's how it's going to work so so when you try to handle it in yourself you're going to find out real quick you can't when you handle it with jesus you follow the leading of the spirit you have some patience you have some faith guess what's going to happen your angel will stand by you that night and even though the storm is tearing you up how many times have you seen destruction and storms mentioned in the word didn't it happen in jonah the same thing, that storm, they said, okay, somebody on board here is messing up. Somebody on board here is not doing the will of God. And, and Jonah just basically said, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I'm supposed to be going to Tarsus, whatever, or going someplace, Nineveh. And um, I was trying to run away to Tarsus. Let's dump him overboard. And <laughs> Maybe things will be better. And God had prepared a great fish. We, they, it says, well, in the New Testament, and when you read it, it, says a great fish. And toss him overboard, and that fish swallowed him, didn't it? And as he was in there, three days and three nights, he said, I'm in hell. God allowed him to experience that. And then that, when he changed his mind and cried out to the Lord, I'll do it, Lord. I'll be obedient. I won't run no more. Remember, like the guy said in the song, run from my place of the sun. I won't run no more. What I'm going to do is do what? I'll do your will. And God allowed that whale to spin and vomit him up on dry land. Usually a three-day journey to Nineveh, he did it in one. (laughs) Isn't that cool that he learned something from God, but did he have to go through something first? Yeah. He had to face that thing, and he faced it in hell. Paul had to go through some things. Look at the thing the list. Look what he had to go through. Even that storm that lasted for two weeks, I think that was his worst one. Do you know that Paul was shipwrecked three times? Didn't you read that in that thing? I was shipwrecked three different times. The one with Urochiladon is only one. He'd been, he had wrecked two other times, two other shipwrecks. Do you think Paul was getting to the point where he said, you know what, Lord? I know these things are going to happen, but by your grace, you're always going to save me out of them. Isn't that true? Three shipwrecks. But this one with Urochiladon was the worst. But they all made it. And the centurion really got confidence in Paul after that. He said, you told us we'd all make it if we, did what you said and that's it they went some other adventures uh that's where you hear about paul gathering the sticks they made it to land there were some barbarians there he called them and they're gathering sticks to make a fire and a viper came out latched on his hand and he shook it off into the fire and they're all waiting for him to keel over <laughs> he didn't he went and gathered more sticks sat down started talking to him then they said whoa this guy's different <laughs> he's the, and they started calling them gods of that men make Oh, he's Mercury, or he's this, you know, they started naming him. I said, no, he's just Paul. He's the Paul that knows God. He's the Paul that knows God. And that's what we have to be. That's our example. This is the example. I think it's a neat story. But the reason I had you read all that stuff first is that that wasn't the only thing that ever happened to Paul. That was, his life was sought several times. They stoned him outside of Lystra and thought they'd killed him. They actually stoned him. He actually got stoned. They left him for dead. And then God raised him. He stood up walked away after a stoning. How many of you can walk away after a stoning? Oh, my God. Think about how a stoning goes. And he got up and walked away. That's powerful. Very powerful. So what's by him all the time? His angel. What's by you all the time? your angel, the angel of the Lord working with your angel. Isn't that how it works? And you believe God, because this is a spiritual thing. It's inward and not outward, even though what's bothering you may be outward sometimes. But really, we have most of our problems inwardly is how we think. Isn't that how it really works? It's not so much out here. It's how you think. It's how your world is in turmoil. Any worlds in turmoil today? Think about it. You don't have to raise a hand or anything. Any of them in turmoil, things that you're, you're dealing with, things that you're dealing with that are very, to you, they're very hard things that you have to deal with. It's the way your thought is. Are you, do you feel weak, like you're helpless, like you can't do anything about it? Or do you feel powerless? Is that how you feel? I'm just here to encourage you today. These things that are out of our hands, God is well aware of them. And your angel never leaves you. Now, can he fall asleep? Can, can he be aloof? You know why? Because that's what you are. If you're aloof away from the things of God, you don't believe in him, you're just walking along doing your thing, you're aloof. Well, your angel's going to be aloof. Catch what I'm saying. Are you angry at God? Uh-oh. Is your angel going to work when you're angry at God? When you accuse God? It ain't working, guys. That's a spiritual plane that that angel works in. Are you offended? Ooh, here we go. See, these are the things. God, why don't you help me? There was a time that David even asked God that. He said, where art thou, God? You know, I, I need you to come to my rescue, whatever. In his immaturity of asking of that, he did turn to God. He asked God to do it. And God sent him help by his angel. He sent him help. And then he said, I realize afterwards, the way David speaks afterwards, all my confidence is in thee." What does that Psalms 91 say? Under the shadow of the Almighty, it t- he realized afterwards said, that my, I'm always covered. But in the early parts, when he starts doing those psalms, he's asking God a lot. Where are you, God? What, what's going on here? I'm in trouble. My enemies are overcoming me. I'm, I'm be, you read those stories that David writes, you know, but you get toward in the middle of the Psalms then toward the end, you find out his confidence is built up. The 51 Psalms is the one where he says, I've sinned against you, Lord. Remember? Against thee and thee alone. But God causes him to realize things as he goes along. Didn't he do the same thing to Job? Started to help him realize things after he went along, didn't he? Till finally, by the 40th chapter, 41st chapter or so, he appeals to God. He said, God, I repent. I repent. I spoke things too wonderful for me to understand. I spoke out of turn. I, I did. I spoke out of turn. I sinned before you by speaking that way. You see what I mean? This thought in his mind. But the whole deal was God blessed him, didn't he? Because of that repentance and realizing this is what God was trying to get out of him. Remember, he thought he was perfect. The perfect man in the east, remember? God was saying, I'm going to show you there's something in you that I got to get out. And he had to repent, didn't he? And did God get that thing out? He sure did. That's the whole thing about Job. So these things happening to us, how do you know it's not God getting things out of you that you have to face? How do you know it's not God putting these things in your path so that you can confront them, overcome them, and become even stronger and overcome those spirits that do us so much harm? Do you think God's doing that? Do you think he did that with these guys? Do you think he was testing Paul's faith even? Being on a ship two weeks as in a storm for two weeks That's what the total amount of time was before they finally got to land or whatever. Tossed to and fro constantly. Now, remember when he talked to his disciples? They were on a ship. Where was Jesus at? Below. Below decks, sleeping. And the storm was just going up and down. And they came and woke him up and they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? What a question to ask Jesus. He had taken care of them all that time before, hadn't he? Don't you care we're going to perish? And, oh, ye of little faith, got up, walked to the bow of the ship. And what did he do? Peace, be still. And they marveled at him. And they said, what manner of man is this that the winds and the sea obey him? Isn't this cool? Another time he's walking on the sea. There's a storm then too, by the way. He's walking on the sea. And he said, we're afraid. It may be a spirit of some type. No, it's Jesus. He said, fear not, it's me. <laughs> walking. And Peter said, if it be you, bid me to come out to you. Peter, come on. See? And he stepped out and he was walking toward the Lord till he saw some things, huh? Gary said he saw his different. He could see some of those things in the waters. Other people say he saw the waves boisterous and he said, how in the world am I walking on this? But whatever it was, he lost sight of Jesus for a while, didn't he, in his thought. And then when he started to sink, he said, Lord, save me. What did Jesus do? Lord saved him. And they walked back to the ship together. Storms are very important, guys, is the point I'm trying to get across to. you? What do they call those storms that twirl in the Bible? Whirlwind. It's what we call a tornado. Do you know that God sent whirlwinds of destruction so that the people would see that and turn to him? Go read it whirlwinds that God sent great destruction and then they would go into fear and then God would say okay fear not it's me I can help you out of this destruction God wants to help us out of the destruction that's going play in here in our world we're, we're being destroyed little bits of us being destroyed bit by bit because we don't listen to God we're listening to the man of sin and he is nothing but a destroyer You understand what I'm saying? But what do we have? You got an angel right with you. People say it's your guardian angel. Bible doesn't call it a guardian angel. It just says your angel. But that's your angel. And he's with you all the time. It's a spiritual being, guys. It's the spiritual part of you. So when does it ever leave you? It doesn't. When do you leave it, though? Ah, many times, huh? Because you didn't have the faith or you felt condemned, or something else was going on, or you had a lot of fear, and you didn't even pay attention to what he was trying to tell you. What did Peter's angel have to do to him? Kicked him and said, get up. You're not supposed to be in this prison. (laughs) Come on, follow me. Those angels are important. And we all go through storms, all of us. I, I think I could actually say within this last week, I've gone through a couple here. Mental storms. But you got to hold on and let Jesus do what he's going to do for you. An angel of the Lord stood by me this night and told me everything was going to be all right. Because that's the type of message your angel will give you. Because it's from God. Does that make sense? Glory in your infirmity. Realize you are weak that you can't handle everything. But the grace of God can. Does that make sense? You think that angel helps in delivering that grace of God to you? Yes. It's a spiritual thing. Inward, not outward. We get so affected by the things happening to us out here. That's enough to make, I'm going to lose my house, my car, my job. Yeah, 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 yeah. We understand. Those things are important here. But how are you dealing with it in here? Where is your mind in the midst of all this? Do you believe God can help you through it all? He's done it for us. He's done it for me. Living witness. He's done it for me. So can he do it for you? Yeah, did you do it for Paul? Is your angel present in the midst of that storm? Yes, he is. We may, even our bodies may be messed up a little bit, huh? We're all going through stuff where something's not. I tell you, 74, I have more aches and pains and things now than I've ever had in my whole life. You know what I got to do? Get up. Another day the Lord has given me, another day the Lord has made. You get up and you start moving. Isn't that true? Sometimes you've been affected by things. You know, things that are maybe even permanent in you. But what are you going to do? you Are going to sit there and mope? Or are you going to say, God is my savior? God is the one that can help me to get out of this. Or I may be in this situation, but tell you what, I love God and God's going to carry me all the way through. Things happen to people. I think so much about Keith and Rick, what they're going through right now. Powerful stuff hanging on to God, man. Hanging on to God. Isn't that how we're Good examples. Hanging on to them, knowing that God's going to take care of them. That's a good thing. And you know what comes in really good with all that is the prayer that we're sending forth. Because, but for the grace of God, are we going to enter some of those things too? Are you going to want people to pray for you? I've been doing praying, man. I've been praying for things and allowing God to work his work. And, and, People say, well, how can you pray? You see, obviously, certain things are happening out here. Yeah, that's obvious out here. What God is doing in the spirit and in the mind is a different thing. I know the prayers that I pray are going to their minds. and And what I'm praying is that they'll be comforted in the spirit of God. That's what I pray for. And you know what? That seems to work. The prayer does work. Believe it with all your heart. It works. It'll solve every problem. No matter what the discord is between people, I don't care who it is, if it's relationships, friends, whatever, husband, wife, children, no matter what that discord is, that angel's there to help settle it out for you. Does that make sense? He's present, ever-present. Didn't the scripture say God's an ever-present help? He is. Is Is he omnipresent? Yeah. He's everywhere and nowhere absent, huh? So if God's around, what do you need to do? You need to talk to him, huh? We neglect that. We just run off and start doing our thing because something, trouble came to us. Better stop, have some patience, and let God help you face that trouble and overcome it. It's not that it's not going to happen. The fact is you have to overcome it. That's what God is sending. Just like he did with Paul. So he endured a storm, didn't he? Was he strengthened by that? He wrote the story of it, for our admonition to let you know there's going to be storms in your life and they're going to be horrific. This one lasted two weeks. We want God to rescue us the minute something happens. Save me, God. (laughs) I don't want to be in this anymore. Well, what if it lasts weeks? Hmm. Months. Years. Are you going to hold on? That's the key. Are you? Or you say, I'm tired of this mess. God's not doing nothing for me. Really? Did you endure to that point until you said that? Oh, yeah, you did. So what kept you then? (laughs) Until you gave up. You see how that works? God doesn't give up on. He is always faithful. And what we think we can't get out of or be rescued from, God's there to show you just like he did Paul. Two weeks long in a a storm. I'm going to rescue you. I'll keep encouraging you too. And he will help. The last thing. He will let people that don't believe in God believe in your faith in God so that they can be saved too. Think about what I just said. Julius believed in what Paul said about his God and it saved him. Saved him from a certain death. Paul's companion, Aristarchus, made it out with him. Now think about what I'm saying. 276 men live because God said so. Does that make sense? Whew. God said so because they were with Paul. My man's on that ship. (laughs) And all of them get to live because of that. Isn't that true? God will bless others because of your faith. Think about it. He'll bless others because of your faith. I know it's true. He'll do it. I've seen people come up and they say, we're praying for you. We believe. God, by faith, is going to do something for you. It may not be the answer you want, but it's the answer you need. That's what we tell people all the time. And then they come back and they say, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I love hearing it. I love the testimony and the prayer coming back to me that it did work. Not the way they thought, but it did work. Isn't that true? Gosh, God, I could go on for another hour thinking about this, but I'm just telling you. I love what God's doing with us now as a church. He's bringing us together and we're believing in the angel and we're believing in spite of every storm that comes to us. We're being strengthened. The power Seth talked about this morning is going to be through the wisdom and understanding of God that God is above it all and through it all and that he's going to save us in the midst of it all. What did Brian say? He leads. What did he say? He's with you. He follows behind you. He leads before you. And he's after you. God's doing the whole thing. We just don't see it. We're so wrapped up in what the flesh wants us to think. That's what we're wrapped up in. But believe that God is going before you and that he's with you and that he's going to follow up afterwards. Believe that. We've gotten some great messages here lately, haven't we? Man, some stuff that encourages us. Just like Dan said, count the loss of all things, lose all this crap that's in the the flesh. You don't need it. You don't need it. All it does is burden you and weigh you down. Get rid of it. Paul said, I count it all as dung. Let's get rid of it because it weighs you down. You don't need it. You don't need those works of the flesh to try to guide you in anything. What you need is your angel guide. You need Jesus leading you all the way. Walk in the light as he's in the light. That's something that was said this morning, too. Huh? God will do it, guys. You're in his light. You're the people of light. That's who you are. So let's do it. God bless you all. Anybody got a question for me about what I said? Remember, a storm comes for a reason. I want you to start thinking about that. Storm right here is coming for a reason. They say, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There's a storm here. God's trying to do something for me. I better pay attention. You see how it works? No, we don't do that. We start trying to fight the storm and do all kinds of stuff. Uh, That's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to think on him. Does that make sense? Any questions?